I would invite you to take out a Bible, if you have one at hand, and turn to the little letter to the Colossians, one of Paul's letters to the churches. We'll be reading from Colossians 3. And as we approach God's Word, I invite you to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, your Word, the Scripture says, is a lamp unto our path, a light for the way we are to walk. And so, Lord, we open your word this morning, and we can only look at just a small portion of what you have to say, but, but these are important words for us to grow in our faith and our knowledge and our understanding of who we are. And so, no matter what our age, Lord, we ask that you will help us to grow in our understanding as we reflect upon this topic that we have before us this morning. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears, and bless us with your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a few verses from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, where it begins with the word, therefore. That means there's something the apostle has said before this. We'll touch on a little bit of that. But because of something he has already said, he now says, therefore, this is our response. And then he says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And this is the word of the Lord. When I was last here as your guest preacher, that was back on July 30, we explored God's amazing and often repeated declaration that His people are holy. Meaning, based on the message of the Hebrew word kadosh, that all people who belong to God are set apart for purposes that are intended to serve God's agenda for declaring and instituting the realities of His kingdom wherever we happen to live. And 1 Peter 1, 15-16 affirms that in saying this, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Be holy. Well, since that is God's challenge to His people, we need to understand how we live into that holiness. But that's not easy. I think all of you can attest to that. It's not easy to live into the life that God wants us to live. I mean, I, I know that from a lifetime of experiences wherein I, resonating with what Paul wrote in Romans seven fifteen through 23, where the apostle describes how even though Christians know how God wants us to live and to strive to follow His way of life, we continue to struggle with our sinful nature and its influences on us. And understanding that, prompted Paul to give voice to this most plaintive cry recorded in verse 24 of that chapter in Romans. What a wretched man I am! 
Who will rescue me from this body of death? Well, Paul answers his own question with this. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will, it will rescue me. And Jesus, God's Word teaches by way of the Holy Spirit, helps us to live into being holy. And he does that through helping us to build into our character and nature several, what I call, principles of holiness. Grateful living is one of those principles. It's the first one I think we should examine because of its role in shaping other character virtues of people who, as verse 1 says, have been raised with Christ. Well, that's true. I mean, we've sung about that already. We have been raised with Christ. His resurrection, in a way, raises us up into new life too. We are raised with Christ. And verse 10 of chapter 3 says, we have put on the new self, which means we have put off the old self, the sinful self. We put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. It doesn't say we are totally renewed already. It says we are being renewed. And part of that means we adopt these principles of holiness to help us to be holy people. And that takes us into Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17, where Paul is teaching that gratitude really flows out of Jesus is the answer, truth, declared in Romans 7, 24. Since we are rescued and redeemed in and through Jesus, we, as 2 Corinthians 5, 17 declares, are new creations who are alive in Christ. And in being so united with Christ in His holiness, then we, in God's eyes and heart, are considered to be holy too. And we're holy simply because God has declared it so. And our natural response to such an immense blessing is gratitude. A gratitude that shapes our identity and the conduct of our lives. Now as we examine this truth about gratitude, we have to recall that Paul's original audience of this letter were all new Christians. That church in Colossa got its start around 55 A.D. And Paul wrote this letter perhaps four or five years later. And we note that in chapter 3.12, Paul addresses that church, in fact, he addresses the whole church, in such a way that each and every believer understands that he or she is both dearly loved and holy. And that status belongs to believers simply because we're redeemed. Christ paid the price. We are saved. We are forgiven of all our sin by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary. And that inspires how we consciously conduct our lives as we follow Jesus. So as we grow in our faith, we we learn and, and we adopt and we build holiness principles into our own character in order to reveal and proclaim our holiness in such a way that God is glorified and praised as we serve and fulfill our God-ordained purpose and mission in His kingdom project. And according to Paul, as our text in Colossians 3 teaches, gratitude has a hugely significant role in shaping our holiness character and conduct in life. Now, in just a few weeks, on the second Monday of October, we in our country will be celebrating our Thanksgiving holiday weekend. And I think having a special day in our annual calendar to help people to focus on gratitude is a really good thing. 
Because in our culture, and our world, gratitude is often in short supply. It's been replaced, I think, with an attitude of narcissistic entitlement. However, Colossians 3, verse 15's little statement, and be thankful, challenges God's people to make every single day a Thanksgiving day. And we do that simply because we're grateful people. Now this text, verses 12 through 17, lists several points, highlighting what I like to call be attitude characteristics of God's people. Be compassionate. Be kind. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Be forgiving. Be loving. Be peace-filled, peaceful people. And in, in typical Paul fashion, whenever he presents a list like this, he spills out these B attitudes in rapid-fire sequence. And as we reflect on this particular list, it, it almost seems as if his thoughts have momentarily stalled as he grasps for an appropriate word to wrap it all up. That sometimes happens to me when I'm writing sermons. I'm sure Chris could probably attest to that too. When studying a text of God's Word, all kinds of ideas and points collect in my mind about what I want to say. And as I, I collate them and, and, and I write them down, I, I'm trying to put them down in a coherent flow that makes sense. And, and then sometimes my mind just goes blank as I ponder over how to conclude it all well. Well, when such a mind blah hits, I've learned that just popping up a momentary prayer, asking the Lord for clarity, usually brings the best point of all to mind. Something that puts it all together in a richer and more meaningful composition. So when I think about Paul composing this part of this letter, I can visualize him just mentally ticking off all the things on the checklist of items he wants to say to encourage God's people how to live into being holy and dearly loved people. And then he begins to write. He leads off with an everyday experience metaphor that we can all very easily identify with. Those are the best kinds of metaphors, the kind we can identify with. He says, clothe yourselves. And we know exactly what that is. Clothe yourselves. It's familiar to us all. Every day we put on one item of clothing after another, usually in the same sequence. And I'll confess, sometimes I'll get a little wild. I'll put my socks on before my shirt. <laughs> Scary stuff, huh? But in the common familiarity of that simple everyday practice of getting dressed, Paul urges us to dress ourselves with virtuous characteristics, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, as if each one of them is an item of clothing and we, we put them on. We also put up with the ability to put up with each other's flaws and quirks. Eh, sometimes a little tough. Oh, and let's not forget forgiveness. That's a really big one. Because it's at the very center of what God did for us. Remember, he said, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And oh yeah, put on love. This one is like, it's like a big overcoat. It covers all of the other virtues as the one that I think protects them all. And peace. As followers of Jesus, we're called to exemplify peace. Because Christ's sacrificial work on the cross brought us peace through reconciling us to God in salvation. And so, Paul declares, peace needs to rule in our hearts. Because what is rooted and growing in our hearts will shape our actions and our approach to life. 
Now, all eight of these virtues can very easily stand on their own as holiness exemplifying character traits. But Paul's not finished. He then uses the word to enhance and to enrich and to strengthen them all. A word that unites and blends them together to give them all a particular flavor. And that word concludes verse 15. Be thankful. And this word, be thankful, it's, it's like a laser beam. It focuses our attention on the key point of the lesson Paul is giving us here. Now, it's not noticeably apparent in our English translations, but in the Greek text, this word catches our attention because it's an adjective. And adjectives, we learn in school and so on, adjectives are descriptive words. They typically are used to describe nouns. They they give nouns a particular nuance or, or a particular layer of meaning. So a solid case can be made that be thankful as an adjective describes all of the other character traits that Paul is giving us here, which are all identified using nouns. So Paul is actually telling us to clothe ourselves with thankful compassion, thankful kindness, thankful humility, thankful gentleness, thankful patience, thankfully inspired forgiveness, thankfulness infused love, Thankfully inspired peace. I think we get the picture. That word be thankful gives all of those other words a particular flavor. And that leads us to realize the expansive scope of living gratefully as a principle of holiness. The extent of which Paul lays down for us in verses 16 and 17 where where we discover that really everything in life needs to be infused with gratitude as we follow Jesus. And he introduces this point by reminding us that God's people go about life standing firmly on the message of Christ, which is the core message of the gospel, which can be summarized in just three little words, salvation by grace. And with that good news shaping our approach to life, we are challenged and inspired to interact with one another and our neighbors in a very particular way which is identified in statements singing to God with gratitude in our hearts while literally doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. Have you ever had that happen? You're just going about life doing something that you normally would be doing and all of a sudden there's a song in your heart and you're praising God? I had that just this week happen a couple times and one of them was that I was out in the field We live on a little property in Kingston. It's a little agricultural property, and we've got about at least three acres of grass I cut. It takes some time. And I was out there on the tractor just cutting the grass out in the field, and all of a sudden there was a song in my heart praising God, expressing gratitude to God for the blessings of being able to cut the grass. Two months, it'll be covered with snow, but right now I can cut the grass. I'm just praising God for that. That's what we do. We, We sing praises to God with gratitude in our hearts. And everything we do, even something as mundane as cutting the grass, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God. So everything is infused with gratefulness. Now, why ought we be such grateful, thankful people? Because in knowing what God has done for us in Christ, I mean, think about it. Granting forgiveness of all of our sin, even the ones we haven't committed yet. They're all forgiven. Blessing us with 
freedom from the curse of sin. He's cloaked us with the, the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus. He ensures that we are reconciled to God. He has adopted us into His eternal family. He provides hope and joy for living well in this world no matter what. So we really ought to be grateful and we ought to live gratefully. And that becomes all the more clear when we understand some of the the nuances of the meaning of the Greek word that's translated be thankful. It's a derivative of the word eucharistos, gratitude, which literally means well-favored. Well-favored. So because believers are well-favored in so many wonderful ways by God blessing us in Christ, we ought to be well-favoring in our attitudes, demeanor, and actions towards others. And a reminder of how believers are well-favored in God's world is revealed in an expression of the word Eucharistos that is revealed in the event formerly known as the Eucharist. It happens here sometimes. It's sometimes even called the Great Prayer of Thanksgiving. We know it best as the Lord's Supper. That's the Eucharist. It's about thankfulness. Celebrating the Lord's Supper is something we approach and participate in whenever we have opportunity to do so with hearts that are full of gratitude. Because this holy sacrament reminds us there is no better reason to be thankful than the proclamation it gives us of the amazing blessings we receive because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, which is an incredible and undeserved gift that inspires us to embrace living gratefully as a guiding principle for living well in the grace of God. And about that, living well in the grace of God. You see, that's, a, that's another beautiful thing that word Eucharistos communicates. Because right at the center of gratitude in English, but Eucharistos in Greek is the word charis. Listen carefully. I'll say it again, just breaking it down a little bit. Eucharistos. Charis, right at the center. And that word translated into English is grace. A most wonderful thing that we celebrate in our faith. Think about it. We're here because of God's saving grace, which is expressed so well in that line from the old hymn, a line that echoes Romans 27, 23, and 24. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So we discover that at the center of being grateful is what we could call living grace. Grace and gratitude in the Christian life are like the two sides of a coin. They fit together and they are inseparable. And God blesses us with His grace and we respond in gratitude. Gratitude that is centered on Jesus because He's the reason for it. And it is inspired by Him. And that gratitude literally flavors everything else as we share the blessings of the grace we are blessed with. So, living gratefully really is the key to wearing the virtues of Christian character well. And like with every lesson we're taught in the Bible, there is a reason for being called and challenged to do so. And that reason is revealed in the text when we notice how Paul very subtly switches from the Clothe yourselves. He's speaking to you individually. Each of us, clothe yourself. 
to pointing to the reasons that the church exists in verses 16 and 17. And it's really pretty obvious when we actually see it. You see, clothed with those godly virtues inspired by gracious gratitude, we then are motivated to live in such a way that in serving together, we bless others with the good news blessings that we enjoy. Simply because we have Jesus Christ living in us and we live in him. Paul says that quite succinctly in saying this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. No, he's not just saying let the word of Christ take residence in you. No, let it dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Wisdom, of course, comes from God. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, get that? Whatever you do, whether it is in words or deeds, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Again, gratitude. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So in in putting it all together in summary of what Paul is teaching us here with the blessings of the Word of Christ inspiring our attitude of gratitude in both our orientation towards God and towards other people, we, His people, strive to be agents of holy blessings as we go out and do our daily things of life. With that be thankful attitude, we could say, flowing, overflowing from us like a fountain of grace that's pouring out from us to bless the world around us. So, holy and dearly loved people of God, live into your holiness by being thankful, living gratefully, always in response to the blessing of belonging to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and praise forever. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, We thank you for all you have done for us and continue to do. We thank you for the promises of of the blessings that we have to come yet. We thankful, Lord, that we can belong to you. And we ask, Lord, that you will help us to, to take to heart this message from Paul in Colossians 3 to be thankful people, to infuse everything we do in life with an attitude of gratitude not just for ourselves and the benefits it brings to us, but to to be able to bless others who are around us in our communities and in our families and in our schools and in our workplaces and wherever we are so that everything we'll do, we do it all giving thanks to you. And Lord, we can only do that because you have granted us your Spirit who unites us with Christ in his holiness. So we ask, Lord, that we will be able to grow in our faith and our understanding and our knowledge and our practice of what it means to belong to you and be holy people. And we pray this, giving thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen.